Last week, we checked the lies of the enemy and realized those things needed to be dealt with because sometimes we believe lies. It's one thing, if we know it's a lie, that means it's been taken captive. But if we're living according to a lie, it controls us. Let's clean our house out of those things so that we can be, to- can be less than, we can be whole and not be toxic. Uh, today, we're going to continue in this teaching uh, with my favorite preacher, our associate pastor, Preston Hawker. Welcome him as he comes. Good to be here. Um, I've been reading a lot. Um, thanks, actually, Becca. Thanks, she uh, got me a new book a couple weeks ago. Um, one of my favorite authors, his name is Bob Goff. Anybody ever heard of him? If you haven't, you need to go get his new book. If you haven't read the first one, it doesn't really matter, but you can get the first one too. And they're they're both absolutely incredible. Super easy to read. Um, I'm awful at reading, so I attest. That is super easy to read. Um, but she got me his new book. It uh, came out a couple weeks ago. She picked it up, dropped it off, and um, just absolutely like just kind of blew the lid off of my life. So um, anybody ever read stuff or get into a, a time in your life where you just feel refreshed or inspired and it was like a breath of fresh air, like, man, I really needed that right now. Um, I've, I've been reading a lot. I... Anybody ever heard of um, Blue Like Jazz? It's an older book. Anybody heard of it? No. Um, it's another great book. Actually, uh, the cool thing about Bob, Bob Goff is um, at the end of um, both of his books, um, he puts his personal cell phone number, um, which absolutely sounds crazy. Um, and he is crazy. He's, he's actually pretty crazy in a lot of ways. Um, like he only wears blue plaid shirts because he doesn't want to have to worry about what he's going to wear in the morning. So he just, like, he just kind of grabs a shirt and goes. Like, he's got other things to worry about in life. So, like, figuring out what he's going to wear isn't one of the things he wants to worry about. Um, he quits something every Thursday um, because he does so much. And he wants to be able to keep, continue to say yes. Sometimes, he just, you know, every Thursday he quits something. And it might be, like, hey, I'm going to sell my car so I don't have to pay that car payment anymore. That's something that he would quit. But he's crazy, and he puts his cell phone number in the back of all his books. So, um... I've actually seen him speak a few times, and every time I've seen him speak, um, somebody calls him in the middle of his, his speaking, and he, he's got this, like, strong value that he uh, never wants to kick anybody to voicemail. He just won't do it. If he has his phone on him, and, um, he's, in, and he's got, like, cell phone service, and his phone rings, and he hears it, he will answer the phone. Like, every time I've heard him speak, he answers the phone. He's like, hey, it's Bob, and that's how he kind of talks. But hey, it's Bob. I'm actually at Regent University speaking to a bunch of friends. Um, can you call me back in an hour? And he hangs up and then he continues to speak like, like nothing ever happened. Um, he's a really cool guy. If you guys are, if you're looking to be inspired or you're looking for a new book or something, pick up. There's two books by Bob. One is Love Does. The other one is um, it's called Everybody Always. Um, then the reason why I got onto uh, Blue Like Jazz is by Don Miller. I actually tweeted to um, Bob and was like, hey, man, I just finished your book. Who do you recommend? And he told me, read anything by Don Miller. So I got on that book, and it's just been, like, even more stuff. So if you're looking for stuff to be inspired by or you need a breath of fresh air, it's super easy to read. And they're all audiobooks, too. Like, all this stuff is available in audiobooks. I love audiobooks. Like, 
I'll throw a book on in the morning or I'm cleaning up or like if I'm going to the store by myself, I'll throw a book on on my phone instead of like listening to music, you know, I listen to something that's going like, to really inspire me. So, you know, Jesus, we're talking about filling our homes. This is actually going to represent our home today. But um, Jesus loves families. He loves families. That's why um, we're born into families. That's why we're, you know, we're supposed to live in community. You know, we're ultimately, we're supposed to live together. You know, even introverts, even people that like, kind of re- are recluse, even you are supposed to have a family, are supposed to have um, a community. But sometimes families fail. Sometimes they fall apart. Arguments happen, separations happen, divorces happen. Um, and nothing, I believe nothing breaks the heart of God more than when a family falls apart. Uh, last week, like my dad was saying, he spoke about you know, kicking some things out of the home, you know, bad attitudes and things like that. This week, um, this Sunday, I want to talk about filling things in the home. Um, does anybody like jelly donuts? It, I've got six of them. So if you're the seventh person up here, so sad. We're not in kids' church. I, can't, I don't need to have a donut for everybody. Um, if you want a donut, come get a donut. These are Krispy Kreme jelly-filled raspberry jelly-filled donuts. I don't have to sell these. One, two, three. Oh, that's exactly it. Perfect. So you got to lick your fingers after you eat these things. You know what's so great about jelly-filled donuts? Well, first of all, first of all, I had, I got to be honest, I actually had to change the way I, I'm doing this illustration because unlike Krispy Kreme donuts, if you go to like 7-Eleven, anybody go to 7-Eleven and get, grab a donut sometimes? If you go to a place like that or like Kroger and you get a donut, and you get a jelly-filled donut, it's extremely disappointing, right? A lot of times it's extremely disappointing because you see on the end of the donut that there's a little bit of jelly falling out of it, so you know there's jelly in there, but you go and you take a bite of the jelly donut, and it's all bread. It's like I feel like I got gypped. There's like the... You feel like... There's like the smallest little dollop of jelly in the middle of a massive donut. It's like it, it might as well be just a donut without the hole. And then somebody accidentally tripped and spilt a little bit, je- spilt a, ugh, spilt a little bit of jelly in the donut. But I had to change my illustration because I got these um, Krispy Kremes yesterday. I don't know if anybody saw my, my Facebook post. It's kind of funny. Uh, I got these from Walmart. And I got them home and I had to test my illustration. You know, you have to, which I'm glad I did. One, because it was a good donut. But two, I had to change the way I did my illustration because these donuts were actually filled with jelly, right? You take a bite and there's, mmm, that's raspberry jelly in the middle of this donut. If anybody doesn't know, donuts are like my favorite thing in the whole world. I literally have to like talk myself out of buying donuts when I drive by places that I know good and well. I know they have donuts in there. I have to like use extreme willpower because I love them. But why am, I, why am I saying, why am I talking about jelly donuts? Because I believe there are some things in life that we have to cram in our house. I think sometimes, sometimes we know we've got to put something in there because, oh, we're a Christian home, we should have certain things in there. And we, some of those things exist only because that's because we know that we are a Christian home. So we kind of throw it in there. But when, 
instead of just tossing in there or just kind of making sure that we've got some jelly in there, I think we should cram it in as best as we can, make it as full as we can. And I think there are some things that we ought to be cramming into our homes. I've got just a few things. I'm sure there are other things that I could have talked about. There's three things I want, I want to talk about specifically, and I'm sure there are others, but if we focus on these three things, it'll, they would branch out to two other things. Uh, I think the first thing that we've got to focus on cramming into our homes is grace, all right? I'm going to use, I'm going to use playground balls. Why? Because they're fun, and they're colorful, and they're light, and it rep, it, I think it really represents the things that we ought to be um, building in our homes. One, because, you know, God said, take my yoke upon you, come and learn me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And these things, man, is, we might fill our homes with them, but no matter how full they get, and it's still going to be light. So, grace, Colossians three twelve and 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I love how this opens up. It's put on then. When I read, um, when I read, I, when I was reading this scripture, most specifically, when I was reading this scripture, I, I literally like thought about when it said put on, it's like clothes. You know, what are we putting on? As God's chosen ones, what should we be putting on? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And then it goes further to say forgiveness. Those are the things that we should be putting on. And I would, I would step so far to challenge anybody that would call themselves Christians or children of God, any of those kinds of words. If, that, if, if you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus... You ought to feel naked if you're not compassionate, if you're not kind, if you're not humble, if you're not able to forgive. If you don't have all these things, then you should feel like you're walking down the street in your underwear. It should feel that awkward, right? You know, we often talk about grace, but oftentimes we talk about grace as in receiving grace from Jesus. By amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We love grace when it comes to us because it makes us comfortable. But we don't like it when we have to give grace away because that gets uncomfortable. Giving grace away is a completely different story. See, grace only doesn't seem fair when you have to give it away. When you're receiving it, it's completely fair. This is the truth about grace and why we need to practice it. Get this, God makes people, and people make mistakes, but God doesn't make mistakes. See, your kids, your husband, your wife, they are your people, not your mistakes. People only become mistakes or become issues, rather, when we identify them as that. It's kind of fun being a dad. My daughter's just a couple weeks away from being nine months old. It's I know it's crazy. People tell you, like, she's going to grow up so fast. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. And then she does. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> she's crawling. She started crawling, and she was like, screw this. I'm going to walk. Like, she's pulling up on literally everything, wanting to walk, 
getting bruises all over her forehead. <laughs> we had to get a new uh, coffee table because our coffee table was like rectangular and the legs were like like rectangles. <laughs> they have corners and there's like everything is a corner and her head will find a corner. So we, <laughs> we had to get a circular table that's kind of rounded off everywhere. So if and when she falls and hits the, the leg, it'll like graze a little more, you know. And we're kind of having to find things. Like, we've got, we've got a fireplace, and the brick literally is raised by, like, half an inch, if that. And so we can't, like, put pool noodles like do, people do around the mantle. Like, how are we going to do this? Because I know there's going to be a day when she's going to fall, and somehow her forehead's going to find this brick. And she, like, she fell into the coffee table yesterday as I was putting the new coffee table together. We unboxed it, the pushed the other one away, and she just... Boom! I was like, dang it, I'm like two minutes too short. But, or too, too late. But, you know, some, it's been fun. Um, it's been fun, especially now that she's crawling around. And everybody, like, warned me. Like, once she crawls, you just gonna, it's going to be terrible because you're not going to be able to keep up. I think it's terrible if you don't get down and play with them. But, like, now I've got, like, a friend. I'm like, all right, let's play. And then, like, we get down and it's fun. And, like, she loses her toy and she doesn't freak out. Because before she'd, like... A toy would fall and like be right there, and she'd be like, I can't get it. And I'd have to run over and like get it for her. Now, now if it falls, she goes and gets it. She plays with cardboard more than anything, anyway. But, um, you know, it's, parenting is is fun, and you know, one of the things that I I think a lot of us fail to realize is, as parents, one of our biggest um, responsibilities is to give our kids identity. I think it's really easy and real obvious, especially as, as the dad, you know, she is literally Avelyn Hawker because she's mine. And I can say, you're my kid. You literally have my name until some jerk comes along and tries to steal our heart. But I got something for him. I think I'm joking. Um, no, I got a whole team of fighters in the wing. Um... <laughs> but we it's our job to I, our, give our kids identities, right? We tell them who they are. Bullying has been in the media for a while now. And, you know, I was bullied as a kid. I remember, and funny thing is, and this kind of sounds weird, but I actually kind of appreciate some of my bullies. For one, I probably shouldn't have been wearing the stuff that I was wearing anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> so, oh, okay, I'll change my shoes. Um, thanks. Uh, but also the big thing is it, it taught me how to stand up for myself. The truth is when you get out of high school, bullies don't go away. Instead of standing up, instead of standing up to them across a cafeteria table, you stand up, up to them against, against like a, a conference table. You know, like the setting just changes. And if you never find out who you really are, then you're never going to be able to stand up to them. That's why I think identity is such a, an important lesson when it comes to parenting. Some of us just don't know who we are. And sometimes when our kids mess up and we tell them that they're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and then that's all they hear is how terrible of a person they are. They never realize who they really are. Grace is eternally important. Without grace, we're nothing more than the sum of our accomplishments and the difference of our mistakes. I don't know about you, but that's just way too much math for me to do. I don't want to constantly have to balance what I've done right against what I've done wrong to find out if I'm good or not. 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Everybody. You know, what is sin? Sin is mess-ups, right? Sin is mistakes. Sin is mess-ups. Sometimes it's not a mistake. Sometimes you did it right on purpose. <laughs> but it's mess-ups. It's things that you did wrong. Or things that you didn't do that you should have done. The thing is about sin is, Sin is always going to affect somebody. It either affects you personally or it's going to affect the people around you. And with this understanding that everybody sins, me, you, everybody sins, the people that, that you live with, your husband, your wife, your kids, they are going to sin. And sometimes their sin is going to get on you. And we all have this understanding, but for some reason, we get super surprised when people's mess-ups affect us. We, it shouldn't be a surprise, guys. We should understand everybody's going to mess up. And sometimes that mess up is going to affect me. When it happens, we just say, man, all right, this time it affected me. Let's move on. You know, I believe most marriages don't end because of infidelity. Most of them end because of selfishness. Most of them end because you thought you knew more than you did, and you get mad because you were wrong. Ultimately, I believe a lot of relationships fail because of a lack of grace. I'm going to challenge you in grace. My challenge, my grace challenge is don't hold your family to a standard of perfection. Instead, hold them to a standard of grace. When people mess up, you say, all right. Don't keep score. If you have to keep score, keep score the way God does. And toss mess-ups as far as the east is from the west. Second thing we ought to be filling our homes with is love. All right, we're jam-packing this thing. Oh, yep, full, falling over. I don't know where it went. Do you ever wonder why so many um, young adults leave the church when they move out of the house? It happens. I, I mean, I wonder, partially because it's my job too. I think a lot of people move on from church after they move out of the house because they call their parents bluff when it comes to actually being Christians. John thirteen thirty five. By this they will know you're my disciples if you love one another. This is Jesus talking. People will know that you come from me if you love other people. This is a guy that walked on water. He fed the 5,000. You know, he healed the sick, raised the dead. This guy was the son of God. And he looked, he could have said, hey, guys, listen. They're going to know you are mine if you can go to Kroger and buy a Lunchable and feed a whole neighborhood with it. But instead of saying... Do all these miracles instead of saying, hey, they'll know your mind if you'll do all these signs and you'll do all these wonders. You'll perform all these miracles. He said, just love each other, guys. That's how they'll, that they'll know your mind. Matthew 25, 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. 
I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. See, I think a lot of people want to follow Jesus because they want to become the best version of themselves. But that's a problem because that's not what we should be doing. We shouldn't be trying to become the best version of ourselves. We should be trying to become the most accurate version of Jesus. So how do we become like Christ? You know, a lot of times we, we take, like, we do discipleship classes so that we can become more like Jesus. But I think sometimes we miss the mark when it comes to that stuff. You know, we tell you how many, how many Bible verses to read, or we tell you when the best time is to pray, or we tell you what Bible verses to memorize. We even say, hey, you should join some ministry groups. And, and none of these things are bad things. These are all good things to do. But I think we miss if we're just hitting a checklist if all we're doing is marking off some things on a checklist we're not living out our faith we're living out compliance James 2 14 through 17 what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him first of all I'm going to stop here it's a rhetorical question there's no answer. Nobody says, oh, you know, me, 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 me. Nobody answers it because they know the truth. Can that faith save them? No. I'll, I'll answer it for you. If anybody is confused. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, without giving them anything that they need for the body, what good is that? Another rhetorical question. It's not good at all. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, I believe faith ought to move you. Faith ought to change you. It ought to make something in your life adjust. If your faith doesn't move you, it's not faith at all. There's a story in Acts 5. This isn't in your notes, but I'm going to summarize real quickly. A story about Ananias and Sapphira. And I've studied this um, verse before and, you know, in reading recently, it kind of brought, some, brought it to light. Ananias and Sapphira decided to sell their property and they took all the money that they had from the sale and they gave it to, gave it to the church and, because some people needed it. It sounds really good, except for the fact they actually didn't take all the money. They gave, they kept a portion of it. But even in selling, like, you sell your house. Let's say you sell your house right now and you give three quarters of it away. Or even half of it away. Man, that's incredible. And that's what they did. But when they were questioned about it separately, both of them lied. Like, did, you give, did you give all of the money away? Like, you gave all of it? Yep. You know what happens in the story, if you read it, is they both die. They drop dead seems really kind of 
kind of crazy. And I don't know that anybody knows exactly why they dropped dead, but I believe, I believe it's because they were pretending. I believe it's because they were lying. You know, it would have been perfectly fine if they were like, you know what, this is what we're able to do. God put, on, put it on our hearts. Maybe God put it on their hearts to only sell half of it. Man, I'm, thank, I'm so thankful that God didn't tell me to sell all my stuff. Because that's tough. But there's a common theme in the Bible in regards to God. God has never had a problem with people who have shortcomings. With people that mess up. You know, look at David, a man after God's own heart. Huge mess ups. Massive. I mean, the guy, the guy, um, he had, he committed adultery and then got found out because the girl got pregnant. So what did he do? He basically had the girl's husband murdered. Crazy. You know, there's all kinds of stories of people in the Bible. Some of the greatest men in the Bible that just failed. You know, even the disciples. A lot of people look at the disciples like they're, I don't know, super spiritual, like, spiritual heroes. But really, they were a bunch of screw-up kids. They flunked out of class. That's why they were, like, fishing and stuff. Because they had flunked out. Jesus, Jesus worked backwards. Really, in the time, the kids or the, the students were supposed to go find a rabbi that they could learn under. And Jesus flipped the script and said, forget that. I'm going to go find the kids. I'm going to go find my students. And he found the guys that had failed, that had flunked. I, was, I say Jesus was the first youth pastor. Because most of, those, most of his disciples were probably just teenagers. Why were they able to drop what they were doing and leave? Because they didn't have any responsibilities. You know how easy it is to get a 16-year-old to drop what they're doing and, and leave? Don't, don't, come, don't come and ask me. I've got a wife and a kid. I've got responsibilities. You know, Jesus, he can, he can handle screw-ups. He can handle mess-ups. But he never tolerates fakers. What does this have to do with love in the home? Don't fake it. Don't fake loving your kids. Don't fake loving your wife. You can't fake it, but for so long. You know one thing I've learned about love? Love, if, you, if it doesn't hurt every once in a while, it probably isn't love. If your love doesn't make you uncomfortable, you're not doing it right. You've got to be willing to suffer. Look at Jesus, what he did for us. You know, we talk about being like Jesus. How can I be like Jesus? It's really pretty simple. 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not know love does not know God because God is love. And if we want to be like him, essentially what we have to do every day is become love. There's not a whole lot of uh, marks that you have to hit. There's not a huge list. I've done this, this, and this, and this. Just become love every day. So what does it look like in the home to love. How can I fill my home with love? I've got a few um, real practical applications. One is be creative. I get people that tell me all the, all the time, man, I wish I was as creative, 
creative as you. I'm just not a creative person. Yes, you are. You really are. There isn't a person on the planet that isn't creative. Everybody is creative. You just haven't been exercising your creativity. Creativity is like a muscle. You have to exercise it, otherwise it doesn't go away. But if you exercise it, it becomes bigger and stronger. I'm just not creative enough. Yes, you are. You know why, you know why we have iPads and birds do not? It doesn't have to do with thumbs. It's because we're creative. We were made in the image of God, and that's what that means. Not, we weren't made in the image of God, and so we look like God. We are like God. We are creative. He's creative. Birds, they still live in nests like they've been doing for thousands of years. You don't see bird duplexes. Right? They're still collecting seed the same way they always have. Doing things the way they always, always have done it. Because they're not creative like us. I'm not creative. I can't, I can't do that in my home. Yes, you do. Even if you aren't creative right now, even if you haven't been working your creative muscles, there's no excuse for not being creative. You know why? Because of Google and Pinterest. <laughs> Google and Pinterest. Guys, use them. Use them. For any situation. And you don't even have to know the right words to search. Google will figure it out for you. You just type in a sentence... I guarantee somebody else has already typed that stupid sentence in. There's a, whole, there's a bunch of threads with a bunch of answers about what you can do. Number two, be spontaneous. Break up the routine. Don't do the same thing every day. You know, if your kids wake up and they're used to cereal, one day wake them up with waffles and fruit toppings. You don't have to do it every day, but break it up. Be spontaneous. Be spontaneous. Get the kids out of school early one day. And when they say why, just say because I love you. One day, what's one hour going to hurt? One day. See, kids won't always remember what you do. They won't. It's sad. I know there's going to be a lot of things, like even right now, my daughter will never remember the things that we're doing with her and for her right now. She just won't. It's impossible. But kids won't remember what you do, but they'll remember how you, how you made them feel. They don't remember everything. It's funny, like, you could, go, you could take them on a bike ride a few times in their childhood, and when they grow up, they'll remember, man, remember how we used to do that, like, every weekend? They're <laughs> like, babe, we did that four times. <laughs> four times. But they'll remember it as if it was something that always happened. Third thing, be sacrificial. This is, like, one of the hard ones. Be sacrificial with your love in your home. If you want to take your family somewhere, you want to do something special for them, sell something that you love because you love your kids more. You know the funny thing about memories and things, the difference between them? Things are flammable and memories aren't. You could have some of the coolest things, the best things, but in a moment, they can all be gone. Make memories. Be sacrificial. Thing that we ought to fill our lives with. Woo, is life. Thanks. Overflow your home with life. John 10.10, 10, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible and I read words that I don't use in like everyday conversations, I like to look at the words and then kind of replace them with things that I would say in everyday conversations. Like abundantly. I don't think I've ever used the word abundantly in a conversation. I went to the grocery store and I bought an abundant amount of grapes. What is wrong with you? Abundant. Abundant life. What is abundant life? It's a big, huge, full life. You know, we've got a huge problem with depression in America. I think sometimes it's because we're not thankful people. I think some of us are depressed because we're not thankful for what we have. I think some of us are depressed, though, because we know we were built for a big, huge, full life, and we're living a flat, boring one. How can I live a big life? How can I live a huge, full life? I think one thing we have to do is we have to tell fear to kick dirt. We have to tell fear to get out of here. You know why most people don't live full lives? It's fear. Second Timothy, I missed what they said. But, oh. Second Timothy 1.7, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. You know, I, I believe, strongly believe, the thing that you're most afraid of doing is probably the thing you ought to be doing. I believe that Satan uses fear to control us. There's a difference between just fear and being afraid. Being afraid keeps you from jumping in a pit with alligators or jumping off of a 15th story window. You know, like fear keeps you, or that being afraid keeps you alive. But there's a difference between fear and the spirit of fear. See, the spirit of fear will control you and keep you from doing things that God called you to do, that God put you on this planet to do. Fear strong arms your dreams. Fear, fear pulls a gun and puts it on you and says, don't move. First thing we ought to do is tell fear to kick dirt. What to do is make room in your container. You know, uh, this container, this house, this home is full of love, grace, and life. Some of us, for some of us, that doesn't really work because we have one of these in there. We've got a big, nasty cinder block sitting in the middle of our home. And this could represent a number of things. It could represent an old relationship. It could represent bitterness. It could represent all kinds of things. But if this was sitting in there, love and grace and life would have no room. See, some of us would love to have this big life. Would love to in, invite love and grace into our homes. But we've got something so heavy sitting in the middle of it. We've got to tell fear to kick dirt, but we also got to make room in the container. You can only fit so much in there. Nice thing about this too, it's super light. That's super heavy. God said, take my yoke upon you, come and learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. See, some of us say our excuse is, I'm too busy. I'm 
too busy to, to do the things that you're talking about. I can't, I can't do those things. Now, I've, I've decided there's no such thing as too busy. It just doesn't exist. I can't buy it. Hey, baby. <laughs> I, I just don't buy it. Nobody's too busy for anything. What we do is we have a subconscious priority list that we have in the back of our head. And when somebody says, hey, can you do this? We go, is that more important than the other things I want to do? Explain it like this. Let's pretend I'm in a wrestling practice. And you guys that don't know, I'm a wrestling coach. Um, but let's pretend I'm at wrestling practice and a kid from the youth group calls me. Like, hey, what's going on? Hey, Preston, I was wondering if you want to go play laser tag. Dude, I would love to go play laser tag, but I'm in the middle of wrestling practice right now. I really, I'm just too busy, right? Well, same scenario. I'm at wrestling practice. Somebody calls me and says, Preston, you've got to hurry. Why? What's wrong? Your wife was in a car accident. She's at the hospital. You know how fast I would leave without even giving an explanation? All of a sudden, my, my calendar just cleared up. Why? Because my wife is more important than all those wrestlers. I can teach a double leg another day. See, we have to have those, that same mentality. We're not too busy. We just have to get our priorities right. See, your kids aren't going to look back at childhood and remember everything, but they'll remember how you made them feel. How can I cram a big, this is me, about to close, but how can I cram a big, abundant, full, huge life into my family, my wife, my kids? Some of you guys are saying, I don't have, a, I don't have a, any kids yet. Some of you guys are saying, I'm not even married yet. And put, these, put these things in your back pocket. How can I cram all this into my home and my family? One, go outside. These are practical things you can do with your, your family with your wife, with your husband. Go outside. And the weather's finally changing since we had like seven months of winter, I think. I think January lasted for like 76 days. Go outside. Another thing, turn off your devices. Be device-free. I think it's kind of weird that we call them devices too since device is like another word like for like snare, you know? Like <laughs> something to tie you up you know, you know one of I think the big thing that the devil wants to do isn't really tie you up in some some kind of some kind of evil he doesn't necessarily need us all to like get addicted to drugs and stuff I think the one thing that Satan would love to do especially with believers is he would love for us to be distracted if we're distracted, then we can't focus on what God wants to do with our lives. If we're distracted, we're not pursuing God. If we're not pursuing God, we don't know who we are because He's our Heavenly Father. Third thing, how can I have a big, abundant life, a huge life, be willing to make a mess? Get messy. Pull out some toys. Have a water, have a water balloon fight. Big, fun, huge lives. Be willing to make a mess. Wow. If 
I make a mess, I don't have to clean up the house. If you're worried about cleaning up the house, have fun and make a mess on Friday, but plan to have people over on Saturday. Guarantee you're going to clean your house. It's not going to stay dirty for long. Or you just don't care, and that's cool too. Listen, we're going to go ahead and close. You know, I feel like I had a lot of, for me, this was heavy information. Real practical. You know, when I first started, like, first started doing um, martial arts, like, I grew up, like, playing video games and stuff, and I always thought there was, like, some special move that nobody could defend, you know? Like the crane move. Done right, no, no can defend. But that's not the truth. Like, no matter, I've, I've been training, like, I've been doing mixed martial arts for, like, 10 years or so now. I've done boxing, Muay Thai, American kickboxing, some karate. It's all punching and kicking. <laughs> it's applied different ways, but it's all just punching and kicking. You know, for the most part, everybody just has two hands and two feet, and you just try to hit the other guy, like, different ways. It's nothing new. Same thing here. It's nothing new. It's just loving people. But sometimes, like, you get a coach that says it a different way, and he makes you feel really dumb because it was so simple. Guys, families are important. They just are. The enemy would love to attack families. He would love to attack fathers and mothers and kids. The goal is to fill your home with grace, with love, and a great big life. All right, let's stand. We're going to prepare to pray and close. If I've, I'd like to invite my prayer team down to the front, prepare to love on some people, pray with some people. We've got a fantastic prayer team. They're here to pray with you. They're not going to knock you down or anything. We're just going to pray with you for a few moments. Anybody that wants prayer, I'm not going to pull any arms or legs or anything like that. The truth is, is there's probably um, some people in the room that have been feeling convicted through the, through the message. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Pray this with me. We invite you to challenge us. We invite you to change us. You know, some of us, we struggle with grace because grace wasn't afforded to us. So how do we know how to be, how do, how do we know to give grace? Maybe our homes growing up wasn't full of grace. Maybe, maybe our parents were tyrannical rulers that sat on an iron throne we just don't understand what grace looks like in a home. And maybe you've absolutely failed at that. But you know what? That's okay. It's all right. Today you can change. Today you can say, you know what? I'm, I'm removing the cinder block. I'm inserting faith.
I'm inserting grace. Maybe you grew up your entire life and your dad never once, not even one time, do you remember him saying, I love you. Maybe you're a dad and you don't, you don't know how to be masculine but soft. And men aren't supposed to rule in fear. We're not supposed to rule our homes with with an iron fist. You need to fill your home with love. Maybe you've been so consumed with yourself, you haven't been able to look outside of yourself and realize, you know what? I need to put down the controller and pick up my kid because they're going to graduate before I know it. Maybe you're consumed with your job or your work. You need to fill your home with life. You know, I read a, read a statistic. If you sleep eight hours a day, which is what people recommend, I don't get that. But if you sleep eight hours a day, every day for your your entire life and you live to be 90, you've literally slept for 30 years. This is a third of your life. I'm not saying don't sleep, but I think some of us are even asleep when we're awake. We've got to come to life. If anybody wants prayer, our team is here, our altars are open. If you would like prayer, if you want to come to repent and say, you know what, I have not been graceful. I have not been loving. I might be alive, but I, my, my family has no idea. If you'd like to come to repentance, we're here to pray with you. Thanks for coming to Freedom. Let's pray and you can move. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for giving us a great day of freedom. When people see them, they would know that, know that they are yours. Just like Jesus said, we'll, people will know you because of your love. God, I pray that we would be love in this city. We love you in Jesus' name. If you're new, we've got a spot specifically for you outside, right out the back doors to the right. Thanks for being in freedom today. God bless you all. We love you. Embrace one another. You're the family. If we can serve you in any way, the altars are still open. Feel free to come up for prayer whenever you choose. Thank you, Preston, for that word. God bless you.